0: Together we've unmasked its corruption, its perversion, masquerading under the guise of renewal.
1: Today's it degenerated into a social club for bored millionaires and celebrities who use its meetings as an excuse to indulge their jaded sexual appetites. Do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter?
2: Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes?
1: He has his father's eyes.
0: Welcome, Uncensored Cinephiles fans, to the Shining and Room 237 review. And we have some (laughs) bombshell bits of information and things that we found in both of these. So I think we'll start off with Room 237.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really like, um, because I said to you we should watch this uh, Mm -hmm. because it's like breaking down loads of different theories around... What The Shining actually is, and a lot of them, I think there's elements of them that we sort of can see. You know, mm-hmm. they make a good case for it and they're like... You know, of course it's it's too, very hard to do a, a documentary about so many theories and get them all in.
1: yeah,
2: And give them the right amount of time.
1: Mm. And I
2: think some of them were picking up on things. But then missing quite obvious glaring things that weren't, you know, uh, which were just overlooked, which is ironic, because it's the Overlook Hotel, which is, you know, where the film is based. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I felt like it was a little bit um, cheesy in places. Did you get, you know, like... Oh,
0: absolutely. There were some parts of it that I completely didn't agree (laughs) with. Uh, Right in the beginning, Mm -hmm. the guy was like, when they enter the impossible office, you know, and the man stands up, there's a book... Stand and the book stand makes it look like he has a hard on, and this is a, clearly an inside joke from Stanley. I'm like,
2: I'm like, yeah. are you sure, bro? I don't this know. Guy, oh, that's a stretch. Too much, of you know. He's <laughs> yeah. he's horny. Yeah, he's
0: seeing dicks everywhere. I don't know what's going on <laughs> with this guy. <laughs> there was another man that uh, I think he picked up a little bit of what you know they talk about at the very beginning, mm. which is the tide of terror. Mm. Um, and then he tries to describe a wave of terror right. w- in reference he to says the
2: wave of terror but yeah. it's actually um, if you look at the the poster which is for uh, Europe i believe well uh, i believe it's not just Europe i think it might be across the world uh, mm-hmm. the rest of the world but not America it says the tide that swept um, america is here mhm and the is is here is in capital letters, which is a really, like you know, interesting thing. And I think that him saying a wave is completely different to a tide. Yes. Um. Because seen...
0: a tide is recurring, yeah. which I think we'll get into more when we, yeah, discuss, when we discuss, the discuss the biggest bombshell of this uh, breakdown. I would say,
2: <laughs> have so... we cracked the shining?
0: I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Maybe.
2: We might have.
0: Um, So the next kind of ridiculous thing from Room 237 was Stanley Kubrick being in the clouds?
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I still can't see that. We've, like, watched it, and I'm like, I can't see. And I, you know, I know that people see things in clouds all the time, but I think this guy is,
0: you
2: know. Yeah. he's, He's a little bit...
0: There's a term for that. It's called pareidolia. It's when you see, like, human faces and things where they aren't Mm. necessarily there. People do this with, like, paranormal stuff all the time. They're like, I see a ghost looking at me in this photo. And it's, like, just a photo. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I don't, I feel like Stanley Kubrick is above that. You Mm -hmm. know, that seems like a... Hitchcock type of thing because Hitchcock likes to have cameos in his movies and like you know try and put him it was kind of like people went to see Hitchcock movies just to find their cameo and uh. um and I feel like Kubrick he's not, he doesn't want to put himself in those movies he's never re- you don't see that in any of his other pictures so I feel like why would he deliberately do that for The Shining it's no. Really bizarre, and especially in that opening sequence, which is meant to be very powerful and convey a lot, mm-hmm. you know, of um, historical sort of trying to get you into that mindset. Um, I think him putting himself in the clouds would just be.
0: And he did put himself in a movie, too. He put himself in Eyes Wide Shut, remember, in the bar?
2: Oh yes, he did, right. he did put himself in that, but you, so, it's not like an obvious thing.
0: No, but, so like I mean, the, if he was going to put himself in a movie, yeah. he would just put himself in the movie.
2: Yeah, he could have easily right. put himself, like, at, you know, you yeah, know, one of the
0: back tables or, yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So in he's the not, famous
0: end photograph yeah. or something, you know, like, there's so many different ways he could have put himself so in to the put movie. himself
2: in the clouds, is absolutely it's, ridiculous. Yeah, it's silly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, the next thing that I notice in Room 237, and it actually does have some relevance, mm. is they notice the person walking through the lobby mm. at the beginning of The Shining mm. with a number 13 jersey on. Yes. And 13, as we'll talk about later, yes. does have relevancy <laughs> due to Gematria. I mean,
2: they do pick on some really interesting things. Like, I do think um, in that lobby scene, like, how it dissolves... And you see the the ladder and the the pyramid shape of the hotel, like mm-hmm. tying up together, um, like becoming like the same sort yeah. of like symbol is interesting because the reoccurring symbolism of pyramids and that pyramid shape is re- used quite frequently in The Shining. So that was something I I found interesting, but there was stuff where it's like the man sweeping the floor it's like sweeping the trees, and I'm not sure whether that is is a good shot. I'm sure Kubrick thought, oh, that looks really good, but I don't think it was like really trying to tie anything into like a grander theme of what The Shining was. I yeah. think a lot of them are like interesting shots, and uh, from an artistic point of view, but I don't think those shots have. That much meaning to them necessarily. Like, I mean, not, they have a but Not meaning, in the way they're inferencing. In the,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another thing they picked up on, which I thought was accurate, and we also mentioned mm. in our first Shining review, yeah. was uh, the number 42.
2: I'm below Oh, remember. No, sorry. <laughs> I
0: don't know. It's a, sorry. No, I'm like just going through subscribe. my notes here. <laughs> oh, hi, Bianca. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. No. <laughs> so number 42 is on Danny's jersey mm-hmm. and it, it, as we mentioned in the first thing there's yes, a lot of yeah. occult references the 42 uh it's the ultimate answer in Hitchhiker's Guide to the mm. Galaxy as people mentioned and
2: yeah.
0: we left out cuz it's just a joke to mention that but since yeah. so many people commented that <laughs> um but also does have like
2: some you know it it clearly was a number that has a lot of significance in in history yeah you yep. know and we will pick up on if you have that number you reach a different number
0: 21 yeah so right. and what is why 20 why is that oh we'll get to
2: that oh again i there love this little teasing that we're yeah. doing. Cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyways uh The chair
2: scene. Yeah, and this is what really frustrates me because they were like, "Oh, it's meant to be like him being playful," and it's like a haunted house thing, and then they were like a Scooby Doo cartoon. I'm like, "Hello, are you not watching the other scene where that where there's a chair placed in such a way, and nobody has ever mentioned this chair, and I don't understand, like why why? it's right, it's it." Okay, so maybe I'm stretching it with the whole Kurt Douglas throwing a chair at Stanley Kubrick, but I feel like if someone threw a chair at you, right?
1: Yeah.
2: And, and you know, you that's going to be something that's you're going to remember because, like, <laughs>
1: yeah, you
2: know, it's not very nice having a chair thrown at you, and all the weird controversy and scandal surrounding Kurt Douglas, all of his like
0: creeper activities yeah yeah yeah. all his
2: stuff with Natalie Wood uh Mm -hmm. how he abused her in a hotel you know I feel like to have that chair sort of in that scene with the twins being you know when we see the twins being murdered um is really significant and it's like yeah I get it's supposed to be a haunted hotel, and the people are thinking, Oh, that's just the ghost. Why would a ghost move a chair? That's like, you know. And he... they haven't
0: moved anything else in the hotel, by the way.
2: No. So, so I was trying
0: that. to draw your attention to, to... the chair.
1: Yeah. but and to
0: chairs. Yeah. And then in the famous scene with the twins being axed, you have the upside down chair. And no one has drawn any attention. Like, why is there
2: and it's not an the upside-down chair. chair? It's not the same chair as the one behind um, Jack. No. I'm not saying it is meant to be the same chair. I'm just saying that people, you know, that ch- the chair being moved is sort of like, you know, with the whole choking poster that mm-hmm. I brought up, which I don't yeah. think anyone else has. It's meant to be Kubrick bringing your attention to... It's like subliminal messaging, which the Room 237 do discuss that that was something that Kubrick was researching. Yes. And I think that's what he's doing there with the chair is like, remember what happened, remember, you know, that one scene.
0: Yeah. Subliminally, you're you're noticing the chair is being moved and there's something with chairs, but then you don't really pick up on it because it's not something that you're consciously noticing. Mm -hmm. It's like a subliminal noticing of it.
2: And it creates a sense of unease. Yes. Because it does bring back, you know, subconsciously that image. And I think it is really interesting that um, Kubrick was researching all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. And there is
2: some, you know, people have picked up on all the weird sexual, I know we're saying like the, the whole hard on in the office, but being a bit of a stretch, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the guy standing up. Um, but, the, again, there's like there's quite obvious ones, more obvious ones, which is the carpet in Room 237 leading up to the bathroom. Yeah. You know, that purple and green carpet. Um, but... The, with the,
0: like, obvious, what looks like a wrecked penis in yeah. it, just so people know what we're talking about. So, like, there are subliminal sexual innuendos in the movie i just Mm -hmm. don't think that like impossible office bookshelf thing is one of them no no
2: and then so the (laughs) chair scene was a bit frustrating because i i feel like them just dismissing it as ghosts and then trying to make it you know oh, cubit was making fun of you know those cheesy ghost films and stuff
0: um, well, they just missed it. You know, they yeah. just they didn't they just didn't pick up on the like Kirk Douglas who basically represents Hollywood yeah. to Kubrick, right? Mm-hmm. They like forced him into that movie, yeah. and then he had to work with Kirk Douglas. Mm. Right, to do all the Spartacus movie. I mm. think Kirk Douglas throws a chair at him. <laughs> and Kirk Douglas is like this creeper yeah. who has this weird past with Natalie Wood.
2: And, um, so you know, possible he, Black Dahlia connections and yeah. all sorts of odd things. So
0: Kubrick puts in the, the yeah. twins who look just like, you know, we've done, you have to go back yeah. and watch the chair connection on our first Shining review. It's definitely worth watching the full breakdown.
2: Yeah. So uh, another thing that they picked up on, which was interesting, was um, the disappearing stickers on Danny's door.
1: Mm-hmm. And yes.
2: there is the the dopey sticker being removed. Yep. Which is really interesting. I think that has been sort of picked up on and discussed by many people. Tony, do you think they'll
1: get the job? He already did, he's gonna
2: phone Wendy up in a few minutes to tell her. And I do think that is interesting because obviously dopey and sleeping and being awake and um Danny being being awoken or almost like switched on activated Mm
0: -hmm. whatever you
2: want to you know whatever terminology you want to use
0: yeah um
2: but one thing that we notice and Ever since doing the Northman <laughs> review... Uh,
0: You're seeing them everywhere. I'm
2: seeing them everywhere. Yeah. Is ravens. Yeah. And there is a raven sticker, or a black bird and a white bird, which is interesting, mm-hmm. on Danny's door.
0: Yeah, so they had the raven and the dove yeah. on Danny's door. And
2: the raven is above the dove yeah. sticker. So I was just like, oh that's really interesting to me because it's like now you know you start seeing little things like that it's just like i've never noticed that before all the focus has been on the dopey sticker Mm -hmm. so i just think it's very interesting No stickers on his door so yeah um so i was like very excited so that because i was like oh stop, the, stop it yeah. oh my gosh I it is.
0: <laughs> so basically in short what we found about ravens is the symbology goes mm. worldwide basically um, yeah from the time of what could have been an ancient global flood which a lot of uh ancient civilizations also record interestingly after the flood a lot of them identified this one bird the raven hmm. which just happens to be on every continent in yeah, the world. yeah yeah okay there's ravens it's one of the only birds that exists everywhere
2: yeah and they they play a very big role in lots of mythology so native american mythology um uh, hinduism um lots of Eastern European mythology, uh, Norse mythology, um, you just look it all up, you know, it's, it's the, and the, the Raven or the crow is always seen as being like a negative
0: yeah. entity.
2: So it's like a trickster or it, it's supposed to represent, um, you know, evil being, you know, like a, a sort of wa- old wife's tale superstition sort of thing. So, and it also kind of ties into uh, a lot of other stuff which we discussed in the Northman, but it's it's very interesting. And I just thought, uh, you know, I I suspect Kubrick would be aware of all that sort of stuff. So, to have the... It just seems really odd when you have cartoon characters on that door, Mm -hmm. and then you have those two birds which aren't, you know, clearly any... are from any cartoons, you know, like a child would have... You know, I don't know how many children would have that on their door. So, um, but, you know.
0: But why would he have both the raven and the dove? And that's because the raven was let out by Noah. And so was the dove. And Mm. the raven never returned to Noah. It It went to and fro
1: Mm.
0: on the face of the earth. And there's a passage in the Bible as well. The only other time the Bible uses in the KGV to and fro is when God asks Satan, where were you? And Satan replies that God, I was traveling to and fro from heaven Mm. to earth, Mm. right? So it's like, is Satan the raven? Yeah. Is that how he survived the flood? And is that why every ancient culture sees the raven as like a trickster figure mm-hmm. and like it's also an extremely intelligent bird
2: oh yes so. and i love when i was researching about the raven i love the fact that it mimics um like other, like humans voices mm-hmm. it can sort of, has a very distinct call yeah. um and people have said like a lot i think it's like in a lot of native american mythology if you hear it not to you to be aware of it and not to go off and Follow it like this, it's like a sort of you know,
0: and that's interesting because there's a lot of Native American stuff in The Shining, yeah,
2: yeah, and right? I think as well as a lot of stuff with voices and chanting and, and mimicking, yeah, stuff, you know,
0: yeah,
2: uh, and people going off on their own and wandering away and stuff. So, um, and I mean, I do think 237 seems to do, does seem to the idea of the film actually being about the native genocide yeah. um, which I think is interesting I definitely think Kubrick uh, is referencing that Mm.
0: Um, there's just so much in the hotel but it's
2: not the one thing I don't think it's the (coughs) whole theory Uh, the one thing that really frustrated me um, about Room 237 is when uh, Danny is first introduced to the twins in the games room (laughs) and they're talking the woman's talking about the minotaur yeah poster mhm and the minotaur poster and all that sort of stuff and it's so obviously not meant to the monarch poster is not meant to be a minotaur you know
0: it's, it's a minotaur
2: and they're like ignoring it's a
0: minotaur poster and we're both like it says monarch
2: it's right there with on the, it and it's like and
0: it has of, the the sun kind of breaking yeah. over like the golden dawn of uh, Freemasonry symbolism, which is like the sun <laughs> emerging, which is. And like, then
2: it's just like, okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't like, understand. it's a mo-
0: it's a minotaur. I'm like, no, it's a monarch mind control like New World Order poster. Yeah, and
2: nobody is paying any attention to the actual post, the real interesting facial, which is <laughs> over behind the the twins. Oh, um, like
0: right over their head, by the and way. And
2: I, I, we can't really. I can't zoom in on it. I can't really see much of it, but it looks very weird.
0: Room two three seven later did go back to it. Remember they like when they were breaking that down, they like went right over it to the Ooh. other cowboy poster or something. And they ignored it. And they were like, you're like so, wait so wait a frustrated. Second.
2: What's that poster? And it looks very sort of like uh, demonic, y satanistic. Yeah. And it's just very odd. Um,
0: but they did go back to that poster over the twins' heads, and they called it a Minotaur poster. Yeah,
2: which it again, doesn't which look I'm not like, sure
0: that's what it is.
2: I do, I mean, I do see the in the whole connection to Minotaur's being interesting, but I don't think it's necessarily just because um, it's about the, the maze. I think it's like more to do with the religions and cults that were around in the in the that time
0: yeah and i do think that like jack when he's in the maze and certain aspects of that are representative of the minotaur yeah But I don't think that that poster over the twins' heads represent that. I believe that that painting or poster represents something to do with like human sacrifice or. sure. T- it looks I'm not really sure. odd.
2: If you see like um, the how it looks, I don't know. It's just a very very strange thing. It's like with a circle, like you know, around something, and I can't quite yeah. work out what the image is in the in the middle of it but it looks you know uh, very unusual very strange yeah. um so what else did you pick up on room 237
0: uh, i remember um in the room with danny mm. um <clears throat> with the cartoon door when he's like at the the not that It's the scene later, right, when he's in the
2: room. Oh, the one with the the, pediatrician who comes to visit them.
0: Yeah, when the pediatrician's in there and people have made note of other things in the room during that period. Yeah, with the
2: the bare pillow and the whole very strange sort of conversation about Tony being inside his mouth and Mm -hmm. stuff, which, you know, is picking up on... uh, you know, Danny being sexually abused by
0: Jack. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people broke that down. Ager broke that down, mm. and they noticed the bear pillow and all this. But you noticed, right, in the background, to the right, is a book. Mm. And all the other books are kind of like not aimed at the camera. There's one book that's uh, kind of aimed so at the camera. See, you can
2: the see camera. its title yeah. quite clearly. And that book is... <laughs> Teeny Weeny Adventures. Yes. And what was interesting, I, I was like, "Oh, is that a real book?" And um, it is. It's a book from. Uh, it's a short, short-lived book series. And if you want to read out. Yeah, that, you sent
0: me the article, and I'll read it. A short-lived, series of slim kids' books magazines. These featured two kids, Toby and Terry, a boy and girl with twin-style features, going on wilderness-slash-farming adventures. It seems to be promoting a more humble and eco-friendly lifestyle to kids. One here seems to involve a red cabin, as well as other art throughout the film. So, interesting.
2: Mm. right? I just think that's very sort of the, the twin symbolism there the fact that it's called Teeny Weenie Adventures which is, you know, a very odd like, when Danny is talking about you know, how he's has, uh, his twin been inside his mouth and the weird stuff that sort of like is surrounding Danny, you know Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was a very interesting observation and wasn't really picked up on in, in any room. of the reviews I've no, seen online no. so far, yeah. So,
0: We're, that's a uh, a new one for people out there <laughs> to check out. So the teeny weeny book, which is interesting considering that scene and the bear and Danny and mm. everything that's and we, going on. We will
2: on pick up on some other things about bear symbolism in the movie and how it's a lot more common once you see it. See it. You spot, start spotting it throughout the movie, and it's always associated with D- Danny.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I think the last thing that they kind of mentioned, which kind of brings us into the main topic where we want to discuss in this. Um, we have other bombshells that go over know, like the Gucci saying, thing and stuff. But, oh, my
2: uh, gosh. I'm very excited. <clears throat> basically, they were
0: like, <laughs> at the end of the film... There was a super, impo- if you superimpose Jack's face over the ending, <laughs> the ending photograph, you get a Hitler mustache on Jack. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no, we figured it out. Yee's like. He's like, I love this film now.
2: <laughs> oh, God. He's a gay fish. <laughs> oh, gay
0: fish. Yee, endorsed. Give us a like and subscribe, Yee. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, the ending photograph, I think we found something more interesting Mm -hmm. than if you do superimposing nonsense. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people discuss the end photograph and I feel as though the hotel represents, uh, like, sorry for saying like, but (laughs) I think it's actually apt in this case. It's like the Bilderberg (laughs) Hotel, okay? And basically, these people are the Bilderberg group. Mm. And this group is the previous group, which would have had no name and met at a different hotel than Bilderberg. Mm. You know, so like these people have been meeting for a long time. And they've been creating various tides of terror. So when they were in Europe, they were creating tides of terror in America when they were creating America and turning America into this industrial, massive nation that it became. And Room 237 picked up on the first tide, not wave, but tide of terror, which was the genocide of the Native Americans, Mm -hmm. right? But what tide of terror came after that, pray tell? And what does it have to do with the final photograph of the Shining?
2: Oh, well. Now,
0: Bianca, darling, what did you figure out here?
2: So, our <laughs> attention in that photograph isn't, shouldn't necessarily be on Jack.
0: No. Yes, what should it be on?
2: he's in the picture.
0: Yeah.
2: And you could say he's been. Uh, even Kubrick said, oh, Jack is a reincarnation. Mm hmm. And I don't think Jack it's necessarily like a Jack the individual uh the person that we see in the film uh uh he's that's not the reincarnation he's speaking about I feel like Jack as the embodiment uh of the everyday man doing awful things and um
0: Maybe I can define it a little bit better. Yes. Jack to me represents the middle management of mm. the elite,
2: right. right? With the typewriter, which is interesting because <clears throat> they do bring that on, uh, bring that up in two, three, seven, uh, with the German typewriter, mm-hmm. and I, you know, typewriters, middle management, you know, the the people who were writing up everything and saying send these. This X amount of number to this death camp, X amount of number to that death camp, you know, all that sort of stuff. The bureaucrats.
0: Or, yeah, in the modern day age, think of the the Epsteins who were keeping records on people and doing all these things and being the middle management for these people. And some of these people have to sacrifice their families to...
2: Jack is a caretaker. He's always been the caretaker. And that is...
0: I'm sorry to differ with you, sir.
1: But you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir.
2: I've always been here. It's what is discussed so, in the, the famous bathroom scene between yeah. him and Grady. They are the same. They are the same people. They're the caretakers.
0: Jack represents kind of that middle-class guy that wants Mm -hmm. to become a part of the elite and will sacrifice his family to get there, right?
2: Yeah, and I do think our attention should be drawn to Jack because you see that, yes, he's a reincarnation um, who's been there throughout the ages. But then the camera pans down and we see Mm -hmm. his... July the fourth, nineteen twenty-one, and I was thinking that's really interesting. I want to. I know that a lot has been discussed previously about this photo being a real photo, and how they superimpose. Well, I I don't know. They didn't superimpose because they didn't have that technology. But they inserted Jack into that photo, and it was very interesting. Removing someone's picture and getting the expression right, and the... so this is a photo that stanley kubrick found um people say it's either from 1923 or 1924 so it's not from 1921 so it's changed that date which is really interesting the whole 1920s connection throughout the film is very interesting because that the film is set what in when they go in their 1970s so why that year why the 1920s when you could have like All the other things, I'm sure there's been many things happening in that hotel, so why not 1930s? Why not something from the 40s, you know?
0: It's not significant from the book either, because in the book, the hotel is like reopened in 1927. Yeah. So, according to the Stephen King book, in 1921, the hotel would have been abandoned. Yeah. So, why did Kubrick pick 1921?
2: So... 1921 is an interesting year
0: sure is
2: (laughs) there's a lot of things that happened in 1921 Uh, i was like no way they didn't all happen in this one year this is like insane so first off oh the great famine of 1921 in uh ussr um killed five million people estimated uh which is an insane amount people um, this first famine that was controlled by uh, the Bolsheviks by Lenin um, to sort you know you have a follow-up famine do you know when you Ukraine famine took place when the Kulaks were massacred uh, I'm not sure uh, I think it was
0: 1931
2: to 1933 Okay. Um, which pretty much wiped out the entire um, class of people, the kulaks in <clears throat> in Ukraine. So I think that's really interesting that you have that. Okay, so that's interesting. That's, pretty yeah, that's
0: much... probably not the wave of terror, or sorry, the tide of terror that began. What is founded that year?
2: So talking about communists, <laughs> <laughs> um, because obviously that's you know uh, <laughs> in. July the 1st Okay Very close to July the 4th
0: Yeah
2: uh, The Chinese Communist Party is founded In
0: 1921 you In know
2: 1921 Do you know what else happened in 1921 which is interesting? What's that? Uh... In the same month of July 1921 uh, Yee's <laughs> Oh good old friend <laughs> Hitler <laughs> Became part of the uh, Became Führer of the Nazi Party
0: Oh, wow. So, in the same year, 19... Same month of 1921.
2: In the same month
0: month of 1921, the banksters created their Chinese Communist Party. And they also, and if anyone looks into the start of World War II and the rise of Hitler, the banksters and a lot of very influential people were behind the rise of Hitler Hmm. very early on. And he became Führer in 1921.
2: Well, yeah, he didn't. He didn't become like Führer of Germany, but became Führer of the Nazi Party.
0: Führer of the Nazi Party in 1921. So you know, the tide of terror. Yeah. That starts from then. Isn't. And then, on top of all this.
2: In top of all this, the National Fascist Party of Italy was founded. The,
0: huh? so the fascist party of italy was founded in
2: 1921
0: with mussolini. with
2: mussolini and um interesting some other weird things that were happening in 1921 a geomagnetic storm happened known as the great new york railway railroad storm um okay. which impacted the telegraph system uh, that happened in 1921
0: which is interesting because in the movie, they lost communications.
2: Mm, yes. Right. Um, sleeping sickness.
1: Oh, the the very weird, strange weird sleeping, sleeping sickness.
2: sickness. I mean, we know that the Spanish flu was taking place at this time. Um, interestingly, it started in 1920. I don't know. It's, like it's weird. a weird connection. You a weird
0: one. Don't don't very know. similar. No, 100 years I don't
2: later. understand. No. Uh... Ignore that part. Someone's off. YouTube. He's on a schedule. Um, sleeping sickness, which, um, have people in like comas, uh, had people sort of, um, later recovering and in developing Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no known cause of this. They have no idea how it happened. It was, went through the 1920s to the 1930s and then sort of like, disappeared very in the same sort of way of it beginning very mysteriously um 100 million people estimated uh, connect, uh contracted this disease yeah uh up to 500,000 deaths apparently but it's so hard because obviously you have um the spanish influenza happening at the same time so you can't really sort of know the the actual amounts, and of course it just seems to me like this is you have a famine happening 500 uh 5 million dead you Mm -hmm. have the spanish flu happening i can't even remember how many people died there's Mm -hmm. like an insane amount of people you have this weird sleeping sickness which if you see the videos Mm. which we saw footage of like from 1923 so you have a woman just like unable to stand she's just passing out and you just see you know then you have also happening in this time um rapid inflation you know um in germany i think if you go like it was insane amount of marks to one dollar one us dollar um all of this strange stuff happening in 1921 and then you found something that happened in 1921 which really is interesting and um, adds to our theory that my, the, yeah. the real reason that that photograph is there at the end of the film.
0: Yeah, so obviously you have the tie-ins <laughs> with uh, Nazism in the film. You have the typewriter, you have mm-hmm. the references to 1942, mm-hmm. you have all these things going on. You have the reference to 1921, yeah. um, but also... Interestingly, the first uh, like Jewish Congress of Zionism took place in 1921, and it was really the start of the creation of Israel in Palestine. Hmm. And <clears throat> so, I'll read you a couple little things about it here. Zionism was organized basically in 1897, but. <clears throat> If you look into this, in the late 1921, the 12th Zionist Congress was held in Carlsbad. It was the first Congress to be held since 1913. So, 13, you know, 1921 in Gematria breaks down to the number 13. Not just, it's across the board 13s. It's just 13, right? Mm. 1921 is 13, right? Yeah. And if you take room 237 and you put a zero either in front of 237 or after 237, you also get 13 in Gematria, which is interesting. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> or no, sorry, it was 12. Right? It was 12 for 237, which matches the uh, the elevators. Anyways... <clears throat> it was the first Congress held since 1913 because of World War One. 450 delegates attended, representing 780,000 fee-paying Zionist members worldwide. Wiseman was elected its president in recognition of his role in obtaining the Balfour Declaration, which is basically what created. Uh, it was written by and signed by Rothschild. That's basically what created uh, the the political state of Israel. Mm.
2: So it's possibly the most famous letter in modern Jewish history and it begins with three words. Dear Lord Rothschild. Dear Lord Rothschild, I have much pleasure in conveying to you on behalf of His Majesty's Government the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations which has been submitted to and approved by the Cabinet. Why was it that this letter was said by the foreign secretary to your great uncle Walter.
0: All right. <clears throat> the conference passed a proposal for, get this, an Arab Jewish entente which called on Zionist leadership to forge a true understanding with the Arab nation. How has that turned out since? Not well. How many wars have there been since 1921 over this? Yeah. We're in wars constantly. Over this. Mm. And if you look down, so when you were talking earlier, that giant famine that took place in Russia that was caused by the Bolsheviks, which are the political Zionists, they are the same thing as the Bolsheviks. The Mm. communist Bolsheviks are the political Zionists. That famine they intentionally caused drove a ton of immigration from Soviet Russia of Jewish people. To Palestine mm-hmm. so this was really the start of Jewish people migrating to Palestine and because of that um, <clears throat> you have the guy in 1921 Muhammad Amin al-Husani was appointed as the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem by the Palestine High Commissioner Herbert Samuel after he had been pardoned for his role in the 1920 Palestine riots, during the following decades, he became the focus of Palestinian opposition to Zionism. Hmm. Mufti believed the Jews were seeking to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem on the site of the Dome of the Rock in Al-Aqsa Mosque. This led to a long confrontation that's still going on today, mind you, hmm. Over the use of the Kotol, also known as the Wailing Wall, which was owned by the Muslim authorities but sacred to the Jews. So this all led to, like, all types of stuff between the Palestinians and the Zionists that started basically in the 20s. So the Tide of Terror... The Israeli Palestinian conflict began in the wake of the devastating violence of World War II, when international leaders came to the sudden realization that the world no longer had a non stop carnage filled conflict with which to entertain itself and decided that the best course of action would be to lock Israelis and Palestinians in bloody, unrelenting combat for their own amusement.
2: Yeah. That swept across America is here.
0: So, yeah, so the tide of terror that the bankers caused in America, the genocide of the Native Americans was over by 1921, yeah. right? And the, the most of the deaths and the murders on the North American continent, all the wars, the colonial wars, by 1913, the bankers had taken over control of North yeah. America. So now it was time for them to move on to their next phase which was the tide of terror in Europe.
2: Yeah. I do right? I do, I do. feel like also in terms of <clears throat> how uh, slavery is represented in Nishani because mm-hmm. um, the... I've forgotten his name now. Um, Harlan. Harlan?
0: Yeah.
2: He is the only like, uh, black character in mm-hmm. the movie. He doesn't die in... You know, Dick doesn't die in the original film, uh, original book, but he does die in this. And I do you think you're saying, like, you know, about, like, the native genocide, but, you know, also the slavery of, you know, people from Africa is over by then. Uh, you know, they've been emancipated. Uh, and that is obviously, again, another tide of terror. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's showing that those tides of terror pretty much have... Reached their point of completion, and now we're moving on to a a whole new tide of terror which began in 1921. And the people
0: causing this are the Bilderbergers, yeah, like the people in the photograph.
2: And it's interesting in the end. The shining you, know, you have that photo the 1921 july 4th ball surrounded by some really interesting photos i said to you of what looks like but you know meetings taking place behind doors mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah
2: and it's all very powerful men mm-hmm. featured in that fo- in those photos or you have uh, a photo of them i believe on re- uh, the back of a train which is again quite interesting you know, how, like, America was founded with, uh, you know, railway tracks and how things can be moved around and moved across
0: And that's how the they country. monopolized the country, the um, uh, Bilderberg-type yeah, people, the Yeah, and it's the same with and... what
2: took place in uh, the Soviet Union. They mm. really pushed to have trains, train lines built. And they had, uh, interestingly, they had cinema, uh, like, portable cinemas that would travel across the country. Mm. um, Because Lenin, uh, I can't remember the exact um, wording, but very much was, you know, all for promoting cinema to the masses. Uh,
0: How did Lenin get into Russia? There's a famous story about this. Oh, with
2: a train full of gold.
0: A train full of gold.
2: Yeah. And I think... The, the gold thing we've said about the gold room but I think which is really interesting is the changing of the beetle colour and I uh, oh color, yeah the Volkswagen the yeah. Volkswagen Beetle I guess Volkswagen Beetle is, uh, which the, is a
0: tie into Hitler designing that vehicle <laughs> yeah right that's yeah. his vehicle yeah I, I always is... love seeing these like people drive around with the Volkswagen Beetles <laughs> with Democrat bumper stickers yeah. on their car it's so funny to me um
2: yeah. the uh, People who are like, I'm not going to buy a Tesla or I'm going to buy what it was, it was like. I'm a not Hulk
0: buying st- a Tesla a because Elon Musk is a Nazi. Then they go out and buy a, a Volkswagen <laughs> bug.
2: They were like, okay. They put their
0: Hillary for president 2024 um, sticker on there.
2: Anyway, that's,
1: <laughs> we try
2: not to be it so, though. Um, I, I want to go back to the car color.
1: Okay, car I, colors.
2: It's yellow. Yes. And I feel like how it's, we see the footage of it going up and down the, the landscape, moving around. Mm-hmm. There's like gold being moved about, like gold being oh, exchanged yeah. and gold going up to the hotel.
0: Makes sense. I can see that. Yeah, because yeah. we've talked about the reference to gold, and that would be almost an homage to... Uh, Oz, The Wizard of Oz with the gold road, Mm. which represents gold and the financial system.
2: Yeah. And I I think it's um, interesting that I do like the little thing where you see the the red Volkswagen being crushed.
0: (laughs) Stephen King's hopes and dreams crushed. (laughs) I I can just picture Stephen King watching that for the first time and he sees the red bug and just has to pause the movie and go have a cry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if he had if he had Twitter that you know, Oh God would
0: <laughs> have a screenshot and a bunch of angry like he'd have like you know band-aids on his thumbs the next day. <laughs> so
2: yeah 1921 is a really like significant year and I think it's I don't know if many people have actually spoken about why that's you know, why that year in in yeah. that photograph. Um it's
0: only the largest writing on the ending photograph of the Yeah, movie.
2: it's like what you see. <laughs> it's the end of that of the film. <laughs>
0: So we basically decoded the end of the movie.
2: Well, the yeah <laughs> we haven't decoded. And what the whole
0: movie's showing you, which is mm. the tide of terror these banksters from this hotel are creating around the world.
2: Uh, anyway, is there anything you wanna to add to the nineteen twenty one theory? I guess we're calling that now.
0: The, I would just take more look into the stuff that took place in nineteen twenty one mm. and also the fact that nineteen twenty one and Gematria breaks down to 13, which represents 1913, which there's representations of the gold room and stuff of that nature. Where We talked about in our first breakdown where they're talking about the change in the financial system mm-hmm. where now bankers control the quantity of money mm-hmm. instead of the private citizens, Yeah. right? And these are the same bankers that have now established that in 1913 and now are moving into the next phase which is trying to create these massive economic corridors by using world wars. And basically, <clears throat> the reason they wanted Hitler is because they wanted to unify Europe.
1: Hmm.
0: right? Hitler then went on to do things they weren't planning on him doing, which is why he's now ridiculed by their media. But and for the awful things he did, oh yeah, he was awful human
2: being. I'm not on his
0: side at all here. Yeah, sorry, you're
2: alone there. (laughs) Crazy individual. But
0: you've seen what they've done now, which is without a war, they've created the European Union,
1: yeah, which
0: has once again put all of Europe under the control of Germany, and now they're trying to tie Germany to Russia and China. With this giant Eurasian super state. has
2: always been at war with Eurasia.
0: Yes. Which is, you know, 1984 type stuff. Yeah. So, not relevant to the movie, though. Not really. Well, I mean, it's bigger picture narratives.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. I feel like Kubrick would be aware of all of this history, um, you know.
0: And we'd love to interview Vivian Kubrick, and we'll probably try to... I'll try to reach out to her and set up an interview for uncensored yeah, cinephiles for re- those. I
2: was really fascinated with her stuff. Like, we spoke about her documentary mm-hmm. behind the scenes and uh, the whole James Mason um, from Lolita turning up. And that's obviously very interesting. I found, I mean, we will probably at one point uh, break down Lolita because I found some very interesting stuff between the actress, um, Sue Loin, I believe and uh the producer of that movie um mm. and the very disturbing her very disturbing and very sad um sort of rise and fall um and i think that's very interesting again like i said um that film came out after spartacus i know that um Kubrick had looked into doing uh adaptation of that movie of of that book um but I think it's really interesting that it was immediately followed Spartacus. Mm. So, but um, yes, Vivian, Vivian Kubrick's very interesting character, a very interesting personality. I think she, uh, unfortunately, we had to try and watch an Infowars interview, which was awful because she wasn't allowed to actually talk about anything without um,
0: meathead just jumping yeah, over her and doing the, his Alex Jones f- nonsense.
2: G- Frogs are gay and all of his, you know, like cartoonish <clears throat> pantomime over-the-top nonsense.
0: Well, um, I mean, I think the biggest problem with the Vivian Kubrick-Jones interview is there was no questions about Kubrick.
2: No. None. And you have Vivian Kubrick on, you're not gonna he was ask her, her about our,
0: the thing we can't talk about on YouTube and... Other topical things going on in politics and nothing to do with any of her and father's. And I think she movies. was bringing
2: up some really interesting stuff where she was talk, trying to bring in yeah. what her father was had been doing and how he had been censored um, in lots of ways and had, you know, fought a lot to have creative control over things.
1: Mm.
2: And I'm talking about creativity and the lack of creativity, I just wanna, I mean, Oh, I showed you some pictures of it, but the Gucci, Kubrick inspired um, campaign.
0: Oh yeah, we definitely should touch Which, on that. Which,
2: if we bring up the pictures here. Thank you for editing that in. Yeah, you're <laughs> um, <laughs> Right now it's just us staring at ourselves on the
0: screen. But you're seeing...
2: You're seeing the it. The Gucci ad. <laughs> you're app seeing it in the future. Yes. Um, which is really odd. This one where we see the, the bottom half of uh, what looks like a man with Danny on the big wheel bike um, looking towards room 237, which, you know in the context of the movie that is a room where Danny is abused
0: yes exactly and I
2: think that's a really really weird and very strange um, image to take from that movie when you have so many different um, scenes in that movie you could take from I know it's like probably the one that people are most is most recognisable for a lot of people but then I was trying to break this down because I was like oh Kubrick films that well known for the general public. I mean, I know that we know people will vaguely know of them, you know, like there's the recent Barbie trailer, um, has a you know, pays homage to 2001 Space Odyssey, and I know a lot of other things do, like you know, The Simpsons has famously we you know done that, yeah, and, there's
0: a lot of homages to yeah, Kubrick's work, but
2: um, I don't know whether that seen necessarily is something it, it's just the whole context of it, the whole thing where it, that is a room where Danny is abused and all the weird stuff that happens and I don't like the way that the child I mean it's not the actual child from The The Shining Air used a, ch- a a lookalike child to recreate that and okay. it looks very odd to me I just don't like how the, the man has his hand on the back of the big wheelchair and he's like leaning over the child and we've Mm -hmm. seen another fashion designer recently come under fire for using children In
0: but just think about it like before we move on Mm. is in that photo so danny's looking at the room where he's abused they strategically put the guy in what they're selling is a business suit okay Mm. They're trying to sell a business suit and business suit attire. So they put the man in the suit they're trying to sell to the left of Danny in a very suggestive way as if he's leading Danny somewhere with him. And Danny's looking at him as if he's the abuser. Right?
2: Yeah.
0: How does that sell clothes?
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You they're can't not even, selling clothes. You can't even see the, the whole clothing. suit. Whereas you see other,
0: you could have put the dude see, at the typewriter. Yeah, yeah. You could have seen him sitting at the typewriter. You could have put him look at walking other, up the stairs. If
2: you look at the other um, pictures, photos from that um, that campaign, you see people in full on yeah. length shot. You know, there's one with the twins. There's one's from 2001 Spatial Sea. There's one from Barry Lyndon, which nobody is going to know because no. nobody knows Barry Lyndon. <laughs> I've never
0: even seen Barry Lyndon. <laughs> okay. Only film experts have seen Barry Lyndon.
2: <laughs> there's ones from Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, again, which is, you know, or uh, well, I just feel like if Kubrick was alive today, and he saw Gucci doing that, he would be absolutely horrified. He would never yeah. have signed off on it. I know it's Warner Brothers, I know it's the Stanley Kubrick estate I mean, I don't know who who has involvement in that anymore uh, I know that uh, Leon Vitali, who was um, long-term uh, like, assistant to Kubrick, has, has died this year I'm sure he would have never signed off on this either um, I, I still really recommend people checking out the documentary Film Worker Um, which we'll have to watch at some point. Um, But I think it's so disturbing when you think of all the stuff that's been brought up with The Shining, even if you don't believe in any of our other theories, 1921 stuff, blah, blah, blah. The stuff that happens to Danny in the the book and also in the movie, um, it's clearly that the child has been abused.
0: Yeah, this is a common... Um, reading analysis like, yeah. by robert ager ourselves jay dyer like yeah. there's a, a lot of people that have broken down the shining of, even
2: if you go into popular like s- scream rant or yeah. any other I, I don't know those type of websites people have wrote, you know written articles about, about how Danny that's being abused.
0: depicted in the film right
2: um so for <clears throat> gucci which was founded year? in 1921, it was founded, and the yeah. ties to fascism in that as well. <clears throat> uh, I think Guido Gucci was a supporter of the Italian Fascist Party, so there you go. Um, yeah. He sounds like a lovely man. I'm joking That sarcasm
0: and um, a lot of people did say that Kubrick had like struggles with the Holocaust and like mm. trying to make a movie about that was like a real struggle yeah. for him and he was born Jewish but he said he wasn't he didn't practice it mm. um, he, like he wasn't a practicing Jew but he did like struggle with like the whole Holocaust thing I, I,
2: I think, no so, it's like it's yeah. you know I think we all have struggled with it. The aftermath of World War Two and all the stuff that happened is still being felt by a lot of people.
0: Yeah, you know, well, I mean, they're um, still fighting in Palestine and Israel yeah. because of it. So,
2: um, so I just think the whole Gucci <clears throat> thing is really, really disturbing. And I, when we consider what um, else has been happening in the fashion design world recently, scandals involving another. I don't know if I can even say it because I don't know what the censorship is on YouTube. No, I think
0: you can say Balenciaga.
2: Okay, Balenciaga. Um, so is there something there? Um, are there?
0: You noticed that the guy who did, the photographer who did.
2: Oh, no, he was a leading fashion designer.
0: Okay, the leading fashion designer Who's... who did the Gucci campaign with the weird photo. When did it, what was it? He left?
2: November last month.
0: So he left on his own.
2: Yeah, they just said that he In November
0: you know, of this year.
2: Naya the twenty first, twenty-third of November Which
0: was right after the Balenciaga stuff broke in the news. Uh,
2: just go over and check his Instagram. Uh interestingly yeah. his uh re- most recent uh post is about Alice in Wonderland. Make of that as you will.
0: And he has some other very, very creepy Instagram stuff I he won't likes get dolls. into. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it on the stream because we don't want to get a... Uh, you can cut that bit yeah, out. Yeah, we'll... we'll but no, we'll cut it <laughs> out, but... Just know that the man is a, a very creepy Instagram poster, and he made very creepy Gucci ad campaign, which featured a scene that's very suggestive of Danny I being just abused. As
2: well, the, the twin scene is also very weird, because those girls are also murdered by yeah. their father. And we don't know whether um, they had been abused prior to that, you know, so yeah. I just think it's really odd. And also, you know, even if there's nothing weird about it, and there's no, you know, they're not trying to indicate anything or blah, blah, blah. Um, just why do that? It's, it's like lazy. Tasteless. It's lazy. Yeah. It's not very creative. And I would love to talk to Vivian Kubrick about it. Because yeah. I would like to see what
0: she would think of it. What yeah. she
2: thinks about and what Stanley Kubrick would have thought of it. Because I know he'd probably be spinning around in his grave right now um, at the thought that uh, <laughs> a fashion designer company that was founded by a <laughs> fascist um,
0: <laughs> was using his movie was using to sell a
2: movie that way. I don't
0: know why. I don't know what they're selling, but it doesn't look like they're selling clothes. That's, uh, because <laughs> I don't see any clothes in the photo, so I'm not sure what I just there's.
2: Think it's like they're over... what do they
0: sell? like socks? I guess maybe it's I... just
2: overpriced. That's a garbage, which looks awful, and I'm sorry, but have you seen the stuff with, like, Harry Styles? No, I don't know anything
0: about any of
2: this. I don't understand the attraction about him, and sorry, One Direction fans who watch Uh our videos. This is is turning quickly into the (laughs)
0: Pat Pod here.
2: Oh, God, okay, let's wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) No one's gonna know what
0: that is. Uh, It's our inside joke. Anyways, how are those notes doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything interesting in there
2: for me? just bears
0: <laughs> just bears oh, okay yeah the bears there was the Winnie the Pooh bear yes. dun 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 it was secret insider foresighting <laughs> of Xi Jinping
2: yeah so <laughs> no was, we... there was a
0: Winnie the Pooh bear in the room with Danny
2: yes this is um, the scene after uh, before Wendy goes down to find the typewriter if all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Again, a very interesting saying because I, the, the use of the word boy is yeah. very weird and I'm not sure what to make of that. I feel like we still have to dig into that and break that down.
0: When we watch the movie again, I'm pretty convinced that the all work makes Jack a dull boy or whatever thing I, I think what you're looking at is an encryption.
2: Mm.
0: I, I'm almost convinced that, that those pages, because of how they're spaced differently,
2: yeah, and you so frequency all changes. And there's letters that are uh, capitalized.
0: It looks like a a, a frequency encryption. I wonder if anyone's ever tried to like decrypt that i should drop that in our like little cicada 3301 mm-hmm. group and see if people can decipher the the shining if it's if it even is encrypted who knows it might It not just be. seems
2: really interesting <clears throat> but uh in that scene just before she sort of discovers that um she's with danny and he's, they're watching cartoons again very interesting when you think about uh, is it like MK Ultra and m- uh, Monarch um, brainwashing with cartoons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Danny's watching cartoons again, uh, Looney Tunes this time, and behind them on the sofa is a Winnie the Pooh bear right next to the bat. Uh, I get, our attention should be on the bat because that's what's used by Wendy, but I think the positioning of the Bear facing the camera is really interesting. Um, another thing is I noticed uh, Danny's dressing gown in that um, scene mm-hmm. is the same color and uh, like you know texture, texture of the bear pig that we see that Wendy comes across in that bedroom, which yeah, I think the furry A- scene. Ager has. You know, indicated it's Danny and Jack. You know, yeah. um, the weird abuse that goes on there. But another, I just see bears coming. You know, in Danny's bedroom in the apartment that the Torrance's are in. Uh, there's a a bear painting. You just see it briefly. Mm-hmm. And another weird painting that I came across, which I haven't seen before. Um, again, going into like Native American mythology. Um, it's a fox. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, that's right.
2: In just before going, in, Jack goes into the bathroom to of room two three seven as a, a painting of a fox. And people who know the sort of mythology will know that foxes and coyotes are tricksters.
0: And then he gets tricked by the yeah, the which is a
2: yeah really interesting thing. But fox right. masks and bear masks have a weird uh, used. Aren't they? It's all very weird how used in certain parties and by certain people.
0: Yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps it up. The only <laughs> thing I want to add to this is just as we are saying this, I was thinking about it.
1: Hmm. It
0: probably is an encrypted message in oh. the typewriter because it's supposed to be a German typewriter. Mm. And remember what the Germans used to encrypt stuff during World War II was the Enigma machine, which was a typewriter. Mm. Right? So, mm. like, I think he's drawing attention to the fact that it's an encrypted message. Yeah. Maybe we'll try to decipher that yeah. for a future episode. Yeah.
2: And, again, I, <clears throat> I mean, I think it would be really great if we could reach out to Vivian Kubrick. I would love to talk to her because I have so many questions. And I, I would also like to sort of talk to her about her own work because, again... Um, There's a very interesting interview that I found, that I don't think anyone has actually uh, spoken about or discussed, which is um, by a Japanese filmmaker going to this interview, Vivian Kubrick, about her documentary on The Shining. Mm -hmm. This is from
1: 1980.
2: Mm -hmm. And um, uh, she said some really interesting things, like um, how the documentary is not in any chronological order, And she just chose certain scenes and stuff um, for, you know, uh, at random, but there must be some sort of, you know, more structure to it. What's that? Did you hear something?
0: Yeah, I did. I just heard something for real.
2: Is that a child's toy?
0: Yeah, one of the kid's toys is going
2: on. Fuck off. me! <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> Are you- in... this That's
0: is... creepy. Alright, well, that's the end of the stream.
2: I'm gonna go investigate. I'm not dressed <laughs> as Daphne, which is a bit of a shame because then I could do the Scooby-Doo thing. But maybe we'll talk one day about our weird experiences in some of the hotels that we stayed in recently.
0: Yeah. Anyways, thank you all for watching and remember to like and subscribe to Uncensored Cinephiles and join us on our Patreon. We need some Patreon people. We've been putting out extra content for people on the Patreon. Need y'all to join so y'all can see it. That's Patreon Uncensored Cinephiles. Go check that out to support our work here. And we've also started a Odyssey channel. So if you go over to Odyssey, you can find us on Odyssey at Uncensored Cinephiles over there. And that's a way for us to back up all of our YouTube content onto Odyssey in case we get censored off of YouTube at some point in the future. So you can find all of our work now being uploaded to Odyssey and please join us on the Patreon. Thank you very much out there everyone and stay tuned for the next awesome Uncensored Cinephiles movie review.